Hey guys, this is Tal, and welcome back to Den Talks, a conversation with inspirational people from all walks of life as they take us on their journeys of self-discovery to help you with yours. I had a beautiful time with my dear friend, Caitlin Crosby, who started out as an actress and singer before she found her calling later in life, where she's now the CEO and founder of The Giving Keys. Her story of how she came to start The Giving Keys is honestly one of the most inspirational things you will ever hear. We also discuss other crazy serendipitous moments and signs that have guided her to exactly where she is now. Her struggle of religion versus spirituality, she's been literally diving deep into this. She grew up very religious and since college has been asking all the right questions. It is actual fascinating duality. Also, she was a virgin late in her life, and that really did help define who she is. This episode is fascinating, as she will be the first to say she still struggles with all of these questions. Yet what you're going to gather from her, she's always seemed to be so self-assured and aware of who she is. So it is a really great reminder for all of us that we are constantly evolving and changing. Make sure you stay tuned for Caitlin's personal practice at the end of this podcast, because she's going to guide us through a serenity prayer. Caitlin started as an actress at a very early age. I actually met her in her actress stage. She was also a singer, signed on with the record label in high school, correct? Like yeah. super early in your life. She also later found an unexpected calling as a CEO and founder of The Giving Keys, a move first founded on an inspirational idea simply for jewelry. It was just an idea for jewelry. And then later, and we'll talk about this more in depth, when she met two lovely people on the street who happened to be homeless and found out one of them was a jewelry maker, it really became the heart and soul of her company. And I think that's when it truly, truly started yeah. um, and became the inspiration. And you also started the Love Your Flaws campaign in 2009. This is just a woman who's done so many things. You're How old are you now? 35. Right. It's insane. She's done so many things successfully by 35 and always with so much heart and soul behind it, which is kind of what I want to chat about. I mean, so you started acting really young, correct? Yeah. When kindergarten, I remember going out on auditions, which is super healthy. Uh, you're right, right. <laughs> and where were you raised? Where were you raised? In Los Angeles. I went to, I, I lived... I went to elementary school on Robertson and in Wilshire. You're like in, in Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. amazing. And then when did you start singing? I started singing in high school. It was an audition because I, I went to Beverly Hills High School, of course. And uh, they were having auditions for uh, through Kiss FM in our music department and our theater department. And so I went and it was through Babyface and I got I got I I got into this girl band and uh so there's three of us and so that's how I and I was in that for five years and then after I I quit and uh then started working with Babyface by myself and uh that kind of started the journey. Now didn't you have like I think I remember reading somewhere that you were like struggling with what they wanted you to sing and create because you're a songwriter as well you wrote your own music and then what you actually did and the reason I want to talk about it is because I do think what's been so cool about you and your entire journey is always kind of going back to something that's been in your soul and yeah. speaking to you. And you've always been pretty kind of clear on it from a really young age. Yeah. So like talk about how that even started back then. Yeah. It's so interesting to think back on that. I think because growing up in LA, so many people move here from all over the world to try to be famous or try to um, make it, make, yeah, get more money um, only to just whether it be, you know, buying new cars or new bags or whatever. And I just saw that over and over and over. My dad manages actors. So I just saw that 
over and over and I saw that so many of his clients weren't getting happy or fulfilled if even if they got famous or if they didn't get famous or whatever. So I always, I grew up kind of going to youth group and was always obsessed with people helping people and changing the world in some way, even from, I remember in elementary school. And my mom always took me to homeless shelters and the LA mission. And she would always encourage me to give away all my clothes and toys and this and that. So, so I think, you know, when I started writing songs and I remember the record labels, we were at literally every record label at some point. Um, for 10 years, I think I've literally been at all, all of the <laughs> labels that exist at some point, but they always wanted us to write about going to the club and losing our virginity. And, and there was literally a song that they, that they, somebody else wrote, they wanted us to sing, which was about having an affair with a married man. And oh it was God. like, I see your you? wedding ring. It was like, literally said, I see your wedding ring and I don't care. You're like, like I don't give like a that. shit. You're like, thanks. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not singing that. And so they would yell at me and, and they're like, come on, Kelly, you gotta be more sexy. You gotta be more sexy. And I just was like, I don't know how I can't. No, yeah. did you not feel sexy or was it you felt sexy just not in the way oh, they were defining it? Definitely did not feel sexy growing up, um, which is a whole long story. But um, but I think it. that was kind of my re rebellion or my way to hide was I was like, I want to I don't want to be the sexy girl. Like I, I want to write songs about the about the world and, and people dying and hunger. <laughs> and the record labels are like, um, no. Now you had you had siblings, right? Half, half siblings, half sister. Yeah, but I was an only child, basically. Now, if you don't know Kaylin, Kaylin's very beautiful, so that's mm -hmm. why. Like, and I'm and I'm I can see probably what you looked at, like a child. So, and I met you actually when you were pretty young. Yeah. So, um, and you've always been really beautiful. So, did you feel like was there something about what your dad did for a living? And just a reminder, he was managing actors. Was yeah. there something about what he did for a oh. living that you felt like made you rebel? Oh, one hundred percent. I think because so many of his clients were so beautiful and gorgeous on the cover of all like Vogue, Vanity Fair, winning Academy Awards and everything. So it was like, no matter what I did was never that, you know? So I think that definitely went into play that I didn't feel sexy or I always felt less than like, I, I can't really measure up to, to that. Did you and have a good so, relationship with your dad? Yeah. I mean, we do. Yeah, we do. But I think it was more just in my own head. I wasn't good enough. Yeah, like I when I would stay at his house on the weekends and all his the movie posters were and the headshots were up on the walls because he always kind of turned homes into his offices and I'd wake up in the morning and cover up my pimples as a teenager because I didn't want him to see me with my flaws. Oh, that's hard. Hence, which kind of went into starting Love Your Flaws uh, about just kind of giving myself therapy about it. It's okay. Yeah. It's just part of who you are, especially yeah. as a teenager. Yeah. It's like we can't avoid it, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. So let's also talk about, it's interesting because we're talking about your childhood. You were very religious. Yeah. Now, where did you get that from? Because your dad wasn't religious. Yeah, my dad wasn't. And then my mom uh, became a Christian when I was younger. And then, so I kind of was just raised in that in this place called the Malibu Vineyard, and it, which was like, I just started going because the guy, <laughs> do you remember uh, Lifehouse, that band? Yeah. Lifehouse? Uh, they were our youth group band. And the guy, the lead singer, Jason, I thought he was really cute. And I was like 14. I was like, I, I'll go to this church. And it was like a rock concert every Friday night. And I was like, this is amazing. I'm totally, you know, sure, I'll, I'll join this religion. And uh, so that definitely turned me into that. And I'm, I'm really grateful for that long season because it definitely made me who I am, as cliche as that sounds, um, to really care about the world and people. And because that was such a big part. 
of of the religion. And now I, I'm I'm definitely I was a philosophy major later, and then had a philosophy night at my house for like two years, um, and would just invite all different types of people that were ex Christians, ex Buddhists, new you know. Jewish, ex-Jewish, whatever, whatever it was, and just we would just hash it out and try to, because I, I just want to believe what's true, and I'm still trying to figure out what that is and what that means to me. And so, yeah. what? Where are you now with truth and what that yeah. is? It honestly, it's it's an ongoing struggle because I feel this. I miss. I miss how I used to feel. I miss that I used to feel like protected. Yeah, like God's with me, like my best friend is with me and everywhere I go and everything I do is for him and it's to um it's, and I it's felt, a simpler mission in some ways. Yeah, it was like um yeah, it just felt like I was on a mission every day and and that I had my best friend with me and this person that I thought was always there and so now because I don't have the I don't have him it in the box that I had him it but in before I'm like I feel like what what does God or higher power energy universe what does that mean to me now what do I really think about it now and and so I think when I when I, about 10 years ago I went through kind of like the dark night of the soul year where I was like oh, my whole life has been a lie but what and, what was that for you what made you all of a sudden start questioning religion yeah. which it was really I mean, it was very present in your life. Yeah. It's not just like, oh, I was raised in a religious family. Like, you were really, I mean, you were a virgin for a very long time. Yeah. You were planning on not losing yeah. it to marriage, correct? Yeah, like, yeah. that was your thing. You you lived by the tenants in a really strict way. You had boyfriends that were very religious. You still went to church even. Yeah. What I think is amazing about it is having been raised in entertainment and being yeah. very successful, you were not the typical entertainment person. You were yeah. very religious. So what moment, what did happen for you that started making you question it? I think um, my, the church that I went to kind of fell apart and the pastor ended up passing away. And a lot of the people that I looked up to started either becoming a drug addict or this or that, or they fell away from the faith. And I was like, oh, but you were my idol or like you were my mentor. And you were, And so I didn't really have anyone to look up to that I really respected anymore. So that started it. And then I think just intellectually, I started thinking about, That's oh, wait a minute, this doesn't actually make sense. This sounds insane. Or I had a lot of friends um, that I did respect, and I saw, I felt like they were healthier than some of my other friends that were more religious. And, um, and just exploring that. So yeah, it was a whole year where I was like, oh my gosh, I think my whole life's been a lie, and I think I'm just an ant on this huge universe. And there's billions <laughs> of us, and it, nothing matters. You know what I? Oh, you went like you like, went extreme. Oh, I went like existential crisis, and um, and was yeah. that after you were a philosophy major? Like when you were a philosophy after after. Yeah. So even when you were a philosophy major, you still held on to mm -hmm. kind of your religion. Mm -hmm. And how was that for you as a battle? Like what philosophers resonated for you? I always loved. I mean, at the time, I always loved. My favorite was. Pascal's wager because I always was I think more Ugh, it sounds so awful to say but I think no, I, was I was always like on like I said like on this mission and it was Pascal's wagers I'm gonna butcher it but something like it's better 
it's be, it's like you can either not believe and it's not real, or you can believe and it is real, or you can believe and then it's not real. So the best scenario would be to believe because you get two out of three. Because if you do believe, then you gain so much. But then at the end of the day, if it's not real and you do believe, you you lost little. So it's like... That's interesting that so, that was the one that you resonated with. Yeah. Because you're like, oh, this allows me to still believe what I want to believe. Yeah. And so I still think about that a little bit now, but now I'm like, but I don't want to believe anything unless it's true, which is what's holding me back from like fully. And do you feel like you still struggle with that today? Because I mean, truth is, that's a hard concept when it comes to spirituality, Yeah, I think. Yeah. And I think I I almost have a pit in my stomach thinking about it for you. Like if if trying to define truth and spirituality actually gives me (laughs) a little bit of a pit because like for me, a little bit truth is kind of you, us, which is almost undefinable in a weird way. And it's like an energy that, but yeah, it's one of those things, like for me as a child that used to boggle my brain was like infinity. And it still actually makes me nervous when I think about it. Like as a child. And planets and all planets. Yeah, when I would sit down and be like, I'm going to think about infinity and like past or past this, past this. I'd be like, cool, cool, cool. And then all of a sudden it would be like, like it would be like a weirdly heavy, nervous feeling of like, but what does that mean? Like if it's still going and going and going. So I get it. So I feel like that thing of like, but how do I define it? What is it? Which I understand why you probably want to is because you feel like for so long you dove in without defining it, right? You just believed. Yeah. So it sounds like you're like, I don't want to do that again. Or also I had so many experiences that, and, 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 and this is partly what keeps me believing in, in what I do think I believe that I'm, that I'm still trying to figure out, but I think, <laughs> We're always uh, trying to figure it yeah, out. I don't, yeah, it would be hard to totally arrive, I guess. But I think, I, I think I had so many situations that felt meant to be quote unquote, that, that I always pointed to like, that was God directing me, even with starting giving keys and what it kind of has turned into that to me still is like, okay, this just seems like a God thing or like this just seems like meant to be because I remember my whole life I prayed the prayer God give me your heart for people give me your heart for people I want to feel what you feel for people that was my main prayer I prayed my whole life so now I think about okay did that really happen or did it happen did this incredible thing happened because I just thought of that thing. I ask that question all You know what I mean? Time. Like I ask it all the time. Mine is like a worse, but I remember I was recently talking about it because I adopted my child, as you know, and struggled getting pregnant. Yeah. And I used to say, people are like, oh, is that weird for you? I'm like, well, kind of. Like I always said growing up, I don't think I'm going to be able to have kids. So I'm like, I yeah. would love to adopt. Yeah. And then when it actually happened, of course, as an adult, it's a whole different thing. And I often think, I'm like, so is that me being super in tune mm-hmm. and intuitive, <laughs> knowing? Or was that me creating it yeah. by saying it? Like, yeah. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Like, you don't know. Totally. Like, which one is it? Are you hooked in? Totally. Or are you creating your own energy? Totally. Oh, this is like a really cool idea. Whenever I do question God and all that, I I, I go back to this one story, which I felt like was a huge it's still a huge thing in my life that I always go back to. And I was like, that can't be a coincidence. That can't be a coincidence, which was, I went to this, um, gospel church for the first time. And I was the only white girl there. And I went with my roommate who was Buddhist. And so she'd never been, we didn't know anybody. And it was, um, it's called one church. And the pastor, Tore Roberts didn't, didn't know me. I was just, we were just randomly in the back of the crowd. And, uh, and in the middle of his sermon, he he stops and he, I don't remember what he was talking about, but he goes, 
I feel like there's someone here. This was probably six years ago. Something. He goes, I feel like there's somebody here. He goes, I know I've been talking about whatever I've been talking about, but I feel like I'm supposed to say that there's someone here that started a business and and it was going well. And now you're in the middle of a storm and you think that you need a partner to get through the storm, but you actually don't. God is going to get you through this storm. That's all. Okay. And then he goes back to his thing. Oh my God, I literally have the chills. So then I say, and my roommate who's Buddhist taps me and she goes, I think that was for you. And I was like, I think that was for me too. Okay. So at that time we were going through a storm. We had an old web guy that ended up stealing thousands of dollars and it was this whole debacle. Anyway, so I was literally thinking about, do I need a partner? Do I need to close down? What do we need to do? When he said that, so that day, literally swear on my life that day I had an ex-boyfriend who was really good at business he was like a big business guy and um and he came in town from New York and he was like hey Caitlin this 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 actual same day hours after this church service he comes up to me we go to lunch and he goes Caitlin so I have a proposition for you I know you guys need um some money and I I I want, I think we should be partners. He goes, you're kind of Dennis the Menace when it comes to uh, business. <laughs> and, uh, and but you are, he's like, you're creative, you know, this, this, and this. And, but I, you know, business is my thing. So let's be 50-50. I'll give you $20,000 to keep going and let's just be partners. Let's do this. And I was like, and he's like, and I'll just give you as much money as you need. Like, and I was like, oh, oh, oh my so gosh. like a savior. Yeah. And, and he, and he was like, what do you think? And I was like, I, I literally just went to this church service and the guy said, da, 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 and the partner, and, and I, I have to say no. And he was like, you're turning this down? Seriously? And I was like, no, I have to say no. I just, I just, like, I this thought guy I don't know just to told me. me no. Yeah. And, and I already thought it was about me and I had no idea you were about to offer to be my partner. He literally said, you think you maybe need a partner. Did you tell him you don't. this or were you Oh yeah. I told him exactly what he said. I was like, he literally said this exact thing that you're proposing is going to happen. So anyway, so I said no. And uh, so the next week, um, I got a call from this. It was this huge, like, Christian leadership conference called Catalyst Conference. And they're like, we love your mission. We want to help support you. Um, we want you to bring – and there's 15,000 people coming to their conference in Atlanta. They're like, we want you to bring 1,000 of your products and sell them for $20. And we sold them for more than $20, but that was the price that they wanted to sell them all the, their products there. So I go, I speak, we sell out of the 1,000 keys and guess how much money that totaled? Right. $20,000, exactly. which is exactly the amount. And then right after that, we got Kitson, which became at that time our biggest account. And, and which for you must be crazy because that's Robert's. It's like right where yeah, you, yeah, that's insane. It's yeah. like where your story began. So anyway, that was, so that, I always look back to that and like, oh, thank God I'm not partners with my ex-boyfriend. God, can you imagine? Now I, that oh I'm married God, for so many reasons. Nothing. I totally believe, believe in whether it's divine intervention or what. I mean, yeah. I had a very, like not that specific, but I had a similar thing with this company yeah. where I was away on a trip by myself. And it was just one of those trips where all those types of moments kept happening. Like wherever I looked, something happened. Like I was paddleboarding and it was just, I felt so connected constantly and I'm paddleboarding and there was a turtle swimming right next to me in these like turquoise waters. And I just said, God, I'm so fucking lucky. And right after I say it, a boat just comes plowing by me that says Lucky T. That's the name. Wow. And my name's Tall for anyone who forgot. So, and I remember Whoa. going, are you? Joking? Like, I didn't see the boat anywhere in the horizon before. It, like, wow. just appeared. And then I think it was that night or the next day, I was, like, I was just kind of, I mean, you know, you start a business. There's, like, a edge that you cross when you're really in it. Like, you're planning yeah. and moving and, like, doing your business plan. But then there's that 
thing that you do, like that last minute thing that really like you, there's no turning back yeah. kind of thing. And I was like on that edge. And I remember meditating and saying, and asking the question. I actually asked like, should I do this? Cause I know that I'm about to like jump and please let me know if I should do it. Cause I know it's going to take so much energy and so much. And am I on the right path? Cause if I'm not on the right path, it's okay. Yeah. I know me, there's a million things I'll do. Yeah. So don't let me jump down this rabbit hole. I'll lose so much. Like basically like yeah. I'll lose so much money. I'll lose so much time. So much yeah. will disappear if this isn't right. So I just asked like, am I supposed to be doing this? And same thing, literally within hours, I got my answer. So I had, I had applied for my tax ID maybe like three months before with my accountant. And I had applied for my um, trademark maybe six months before with a totally different person. My point is these people are not connected. They don't know each other. They don't even live in the same state. Wow. They don't know each other. And so I have this meditation. I go off with my day, having the best day. It's like two hours later, I get an email from my accountant being like, hey, congratulations, here's your tax ID. An hour later, I get an email from the lawyer going, congratulations, here's your trademark. Wow. And I'm talking within like two hours of that meditation. Wow. It was, and it was that moment too. I giggled. I looked up and I said, thanks, got it. Wow. I won't question again. Is yeah. what I said, I won't question yeah. again. And I didn't. And I just plowed forward. Yeah. So I do believe in that stuff. Yeah. I agree with you. I don't know what to call it all the time. Right. And for you, it's probably more of a struggle because you had so many specific beliefs. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I've been spending for so long trying to figure it out. And it yeah. does evolve with you, I feel like. Yeah. But it is interesting. But it does make me want to talk now that we're on the business, like the, your business is just so incredible. Yeah. Please, for those of you who don't know this story, it is such a beautiful story. Yeah. Like, talk about like how it got its soul. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, so I was touring doing music and had started the website Love Your Flaws. And so everything at my merchandise table said Love Your Flaws on it. I had t-shirts and keychains and CDs and flaws, flaws, flaws. And, uh, and then I was in New York in the hotel room key. I thought it was cool. So I put it around my necklace, went to a locksmith, um, got it engraved with love your flaws on it. Um, and it was just a random like idea. The person in front of me got numbers engraved. It was actually at Studio City Lock and Key on Ventura. Oh my God. Ventura and Laurel Canyon. It was Mike and he, and so literally the person in front of me just got their apartment and numbers engraved. And I was like, oh, do you have letters? Because I was obsessed with Love Your Flaws. Can you engrave Love Your Flaws on this key? And he was like, uh, okay. And I think on, on one side of the key, I had uh, written it with a Sharpie marker, Love Your Flaws. And then I took another key that I thought was cool and, and just wrote love in cursive. It looked so ugly, but it was, I don't know why I just liked it. And uh, so then he, I saw all these old used keys on the side and I said, oh, while you're at it, can you engrave, um, breathe, let go, fearless, strength, courage, all, all these other and keys. It all pops in your head in that moment. Yeah. And, uh, and I was like, I'll just give them as birthday gifts and this and that. And then little by little, I was like, oh, I should sell these on tour. So then I, I took my cuticle clippers and my tweezers and I started making jewelry with uh, necklaces and bracelets and this and that. And uh, we just go to random bead stores all around, just make cool, add little like turquoise beads on them. And had just it was just a fun, creative project because I always loved being crafty like that. So started selling them on tour and then every night they started selling out more than my CDs. So I was like, okay. You're like, interesting. Well, thanks for coming <laughs> on the show and uh, <laughs> buying all these freaking key necklaces. And then, but I knew these words were really resonating with people. And so little by little, um, after the shows and talking to people and what they were going through and, and I loved hearing the words that they were trying to pick out. And this was 10 years ago, by the way. Um, so I was 
you know, younger and so a lot of younger girls were there and they were like, oh, I'm dealing with this. What, what do you think I should get? And oh, I just loved it. That was my biggest passion. Teenage girls was always a big passion of mine. So anyway, so then little by little organically was like, okay, let's just not have it be about you and what word you need. Let's let, how about, you know, keep your eyes open to other people that are going through hard times and embrace your word, but then move on. Let's then pass it on to somebody who feel needs it more than you and um, pay it forward. And so people started writing me on MySpace at the time and they were like, so-and-so was about to commit suicide. So I gave them my key. So-and-so, um, you know, my mom had cancer. So I gave her my fight key. Um, so-and-so was being bullied. I gave them my strength key. So-and-so went through a divorce. I gave them my courage key, blah, blah, blah. And I was bawling my eyes out reading all these stories. So we're like, I just gave my hope key to this. I went to Haiti and Africa and blah, blah, blah. So I was like, wow, these little tokens are really resonating. Being, yeah, really resonating with people. I should make a, a website to store these stories. So it's not just my mom and I reading them and crying all the time. So I made a <laughs> website. It was like super not great and uh, just super cheap and got the job done. But I knew I wanted the money to go to charity. I didn't know what. I waited for the missing link for like at least a year. And I had a ton of friends that had started nonprofits. So I easily could have been like, oh, um, you know, uh, 10% goes to invisible children. Or my best friend right. started a nonprofit about human trafficking called Saving Innocence, which she still runs now. We started them at the same time. And I could have done like 10% goes to Saving Innocence and help human trafficking. But I was like, no, no, no. That felt like settling. And there was just like that pit that also kind of brings me back to the spirituality piece of like, I was always like praying about it. And like, it just felt like, no, not right. Wait, 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 wait. So then I was actually at church on Hollywood Boulevard at this church called uh, Ecclesia, and they were screening an Invisible Children documentary. And I left bawling because it was so touching. And I, I was by myself and it was cra- it was a, it was a raining and I was crying and it felt like a scene from a movie. And I literally left this church on Hollywood Boulevard in Coenga. And I was like, what else can I do to help people and change the world? And right then I saw this young homeless couple holding up a sign that said, ugly, broke, and hungry. And they were soaking wet under an umbrella in a puddle. And I got, I started talking with them. I wasn't thinking about the giving keys at all. And I had acting class that night and I, I didn't go. And I was like, are you guys hungry? Can I take you guys to dinner? So we went to Kitchen 24 on Coenga and I bought them wine and beers and steak and salmon and chicken. And we had the talk for hours and they lived in a dumpster in a cardboard box and fell in love with them. They were raised homeless on the street. And, um, Two hours into it, I said to the girl, like, your necklace was like this gothic-y, wire-worked, uh, black necklace. And she's like, oh, thanks. I like making jewelry. And I was like, oh, wait, this is my aha moment. You're the missing link to the giving keys. You guys want to be my business partners? And they were like, sorry, ex-boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And this is before the ex-boyfriend right. had offered that. But then, uh, yeah. And so they were like, uh, okay. So the next day I went to Studio City Lock and Key, bought an engraving equipment uh, machine. It was like $300. Went to Pet Boys, bought hammers. Um, and then I started meeting up with this young couple and they started engraving the words on the streets. And little by little, they saved up enough money to stay in a motel. Then they got their own apartment because I just started hustling so and getting amazing. them into stores. I was the, the story in- literally chokes me up every time I hear oh, it. It's always- and, 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 and also growing up here, I was the barista at Fred Siegel in high school. So I kind of knew the buyer because I made her lattes. So I would just go in and wear all my keys and uh, hope that she would notice. And one day she was like, what are those? Those are fabulous. And I was like, oh, these? Huh, funny you should ask. Well, I'm trying to get this one young homeless couple off the street. She's like, we'll sell them here because I would just sell them at my shows. 
She's like, we'll sell them here. What's your wholesale price? And I was like, mm, I don't even know what that means. But, uh, whatever you want to sell them for is great. Isn't that even amazing? Though they're all like learn. rusted, and I literally made them with my cuticle clippers. But Fred Seal, first store, great. And then because, and then other That's people, incredible. yeah, other people caught wind that we were in the store, and she really helped. It's that Karen, she's been the buyer there for 20 years at Ron Robinson, the made like gift area. And, um, and she really helped me get into that whole world. And then we got our first showroom. She explained to me what that meant. And yeah, that was, yeah. And I went from there. And then I, and then I realized, wow, this is really a sustainable way to get people off the street instead of just giving people food, which is still great. Um, and I think needed because people are hungry. But so then we started partnering up with transitional homes and other nonprofits around the issue of homelessness. And they started screening people for us to make sure we're hiring people that are clean and sober and really ready to get off the streets and trying and have caseworkers and this and that. So now we've been able to create over 75 jobs for people that are trying That's to transition. so amazing. How big yeah. is your team right now? Right now we have 55, 6, 7-ish. And how many out of the 57 are like... Are about hundred, half. Half. That's yeah. incredible. And the goal is to kind of transition... Uh, a lot of people out into what their dream job is. I think this is like a really good bridge. Like we're a great and also just a resume builder. You're like yeah. you're giving them experience yeah. that they can then go sell themselves somewhere else too. Yeah. And to show other employers that I'm responsible. Yeah. Like you can trust you me. know, you can I think a lot of these beautiful souls deserve second, third, fourth, fifth chances. And even though their past was you know, X, Y, Z, a lot of it was because of the way that they were raised and the way that they were brought up and the the, the, the lives, the, the cards that they were dealt. And and it would make sense, everything that has been on their track record, whether it be, you know, jail or this or that or whatever. Like, I would probably I mean, do exactly the same thing I if mean, I had so to much. You're so lucky how yeah. we start, you yeah. know, or not. Yeah. And it's really sad how much circumstance has to do with yeah. the opportunities, yeah. or lack of opportunities. And there's get. so much gold and potential in a lot of these people that you drive by you don't even know you would never know because there's just not anybody there giving them a chance or speaking life and hope into them and i think once we started seeing that that was working and bringing this gold out of people it was like wow we, we got to keep doing this so on that note how much pressure is it though because look a business is hard no matter mm -hmm. how you slice it we were kind of chatting about it before good times great but it's hard it's a hard business money is involved no matter what yeah. and it's tough so how do you deal with the added pressure of feeling like not only is it just people's livelihoods which all of us yeah. feel but you're actually dealing with giving people livelihoods for the yeah. first time who yeah. might not even be able to have a livelihood unfortunately yeah. how do you deal with that Pressure. Yeah. Does that add another layer oh. for you? Oh my goodness, yes. And I think it is it's hard because like you said, running a business is just is hard. And then when you're mixing that, for instance, business-wise, we would we we would be doing quote unquote a lot better business-wise if you know we were doing what a lot of other jewelry companies do. Um which is paying your production, mm -hmm. uh, you know, a lower wage or outsourcing to other countries to get things made and in a cheaper way. But we're, you know, it's really important to us to try to treat our employees with dignity. And but it is, it's hard to find that balance because there's always, you know, negative people trying to find something wrong, whether it be 
everything, whether it has to do with finances or how we quote unquote run the business. But I think, you know, this hasn't really been done that many times before. So it's hard. To, there's not like a huge template that we can follow or a book to read. It's so inspiring. Talk about friend, how, like since it's 50-50, have like interesting friendships formed oh, and yeah. relationships. Yes. That's my favorite thing to see um, people that have we're all under one roof. That's another thing that, again, business-wise, we could have saved money if a lot most companies that we just met with a, a big fashion company yesterday, and they're like, "Yeah, our office is here in this nice part of town, but then our production and right. shipping is in this really bad part of town." And you know, and but we want everyone to be under the same roof in the arts district downtown LA. There's like cool restaurants and cafes everywhere, and it's such a creative environment but it's really expensive but it's so yeah. great to be able to have people like social media girls and sales girls that are fashionista girls going to lunch with you know somebody in in production who has lived a completely different life and it's oh it's my but favorite how amazing that not only are you employing people you're teaching them life lessons i mean for those people to actually hear someone else's story and sit down and give them the respect of listening and getting to know them yeah. is amazing yeah i mean and, that's a huge gift in of itself and, Yes. Some people go their entire lives just ignoring that there's a whole other, totally, yeah. you know, side of the universe. Totally. Yeah. And I think it's not about, it's not even just about, oh, you know, we're helping them, quote unquote. But I think it's it's really a two-way street. I think it's equal. Like, exactly. I learned so much from um, people that have experienced hardships. Like, it, nothing, I mean, yesterday I went out to lunch with, these uh, two guys that we, they're interns from First Place for Youth. It's a nonprofit um, that uh, helps young uh, foster kids that have aged out of foster care that have been homeless. And so we have an internship program with them for three months. And so I took two of the guys to lunch yesterday and just hearing everything they've gone through, it's the most awful, tragic uh, story, stories. And, but I mean, the advice that they gave me about life was probably way better than anything I could have said to them. Um, I'm trying to think. I, and I don't even know if it was necessarily advice, but just kind of like their take on life. Yeah, their perspectives, their energy and how, you know, I know, I've, you know, they'd say things like, um, you know, I've been through so much, but you just got to, you know, you just got to keep going and be resilient. And uh, uh, what was the word he said? with it oh he was like veracity he's like maybe some people say what did he say he, i forget but anyway just just their energy that like you know everything they've been through and the fact that they see life in the way they do i'm like i need to really i need to be more positive caitlin in my own life no, because i should not be complaining and that's about what i meant by it's such a gift about. is that yeah. relationship yeah. i think is the best gift you can give people that would never work yeah in those environments i think it's amazing yeah that, like People like us who walk in and out of our offices every day, you don't get to have some of those conversations that, like you said, are enlightening and yeah. remind you. And yeah. like, they have, it, it, yeah. there's a positivity that sometimes, yeah. you know, like you said, you forget. Yeah. yeah. So, how, what advice would you give people? Because you have really just connected to yourself so much. And I think that's allowed you to find the giving or let the giving keys find you. Mm -hmm. Because there's, like you said, so many of these moments were mm -hmm. off of kind of, randomness or yeah. asking for help or yeah. for questions. So what advice would you give people in life if they're trying to like either start something new yeah. or how do they stay on their path? I would say that we all have, you know, whatever we want to call it. Sometimes I call it like my knower or your gut 
or your, you know, your soul or whatever. Or some people could say it's God or your uh, conscious. But there's always that thing in us or in me that I think if something's off and not right, or you're maybe going down the wrong path a little bit, it's like you just get that pit in your stomach, like the, the not peace feeling. So I think following the the feeling of peace when your gut, your your knower, your is kind of like, you know, yes, your aha moments. Like, yes, I feel peace about this. This feels right. For instance, like what I'm going through right now personally is I've been feeling this this pit in my stomach about um, my my the, the the amount that I I'm working. And which I think is too much because I'm not giving the time that I want to be giving to my baby and my husband. Yeah. And new mom. Yeah. I have a a 15 month old and and a husband and, and I feel like I, I'm not really spending any time with friends and because I'm, I'm just always so stressed about work and, and doing that. So, but I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm not doing enough at work either because I'm, also trying to take care of a baby. So anyway, so I think my knower, my little gut knower is like, this is off, this is off, this is off. You have to create stronger boundaries. And the longer, and, and it's a process. It's not like one button I can click. I wish it was. No, it's like it. your knower is telling you, you have to work on balance. Yeah. You haven't yet figured out what that balance is. Yeah. And that's yeah. the process, is yeah. figuring it out. I, well, I'm in the same boat. Yeah. I get it. My yeah. gut goes off all the time. Yeah. Like, it's like, this is not good. I don't yeah. want to make myself sick. And, and I think self-care is really hard when yeah. you are in a business of taking care of other people. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. People always assume yeah. that you're like the best at it because yeah. that's what you're teaching. And I'm like, oh, I think I might be the worst. You're like, I haven't showered. <laughs> my leg hair is really long right now. And then now, my daughter so no. today was like, mama wet? I'm like, no, mama dirty. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing. Yeah. yeah. It's hard. Self-care yeah. is so hard, but yet yeah. so important because yeah. you are literally the pilot light for your yeah. entire business. It's yeah. like it can't go out. Yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah, so listen to that that gut and that no, whether it be no, Good don't settle. Because I think even with the, if anyone's, you know, looking to start a business, which I think a lot of people are these days, which is really special, um, is that I, like I said, I could have easily settled with like inspirational words on keys. Like that's original enough, especially 10 years ago before it was, it was very like original, popular absolutely. to do, you know, like do good brands like I didn't really know of any of them back there at Tom's I had heard of which I thought was super cool um but but then again I could have settled there and I and then that would have been good enough and it, then it would have been good enough if I just had the pay it forward concept because even that is like our quote-unquote differentiating factor like I don't know any companies that's doing that so I definitely that could have been quote-unquote good enough but it was like that gut that that thing that intuition of like no there's more there's more there's more wait 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 be patient be patient be patient and then, you know, wait for your aha moments, whatever that means for you, whether it be creatively, business-wise, or relationally, or waiting for the right, you know, person you want to date or whatever it is. Yeah, it affects every ounce of you yeah. and every move. Yeah. You are so unbelievably inspirational. Like, I mean, I love talking to you because I just get reminded, like, just go inward and trust yourself and know that your voice is strong enough. And that's so beautiful. And I love that part of the reason I really wanted you on here was because I love that from such a young age, you always just 
had your North Star. You always knew the direction you needed to go and you always wanted to be taking care of people. And you've never veered from that. It, yeah. you've might, you might be doing it differently at different times, but you've never veered from who you are. Yeah. And it's so beautiful and so incredible. Mm-hmm. And so with that, I would love, I know you said you brought a passage and you have such an inspirational yeah. story behind it. Yeah. Oh, but before we get there, because I know they're going to yell at me, who are your most, like if you could say one you know, whether it's an author or spiritual teacher or yeah. a philosopher yeah. or even a text Bible. Like, is yeah. there one thing that a person that you're like, yeah, check this, check this out. They're my go-to. Ooh. Or a book also. Yeah. Um, I don't have a like one person go-to. I mean, as far as, I, I okay, I love Bob Goff. Mm-hmm. He, um, he's this man who was a, he was an attorney um, but then he started this school in Uganda. He wrote a book called Love Does. And I just, oh, I love him. He has so many, yeah, so check out his book, Love Does, and um, his websites and all that. And, um, and I mean, like I said, I'm not, I don't want to put myself in a total box because I don't, I don't agree with a lot of, like, modern-day Christianity and judgmentalness and all that. Like, I'm super against it, actually, <laughs> like... Um, but as far as teachers, I, I feel like my whole life has been based on the teachings of, of Jesus, even though that even feels it like, doesn't, you know, weird to okay. say, but I, I do love what he taught as far as, um, um, you know, even as something as simple as the Good Samaritan, like there, there was the religious person at the time that passed by the guy that needed help on the side of the road. And maybe he was like the Christian or the, you know, pastor or rabbi or whatever at the time. But the, the Good Samaritan came by and and helped him. So I think even to him, it wasn't about like, like he, he like Jesus was the one that was helping the woman at the well who was kind of like a prostitute at the time and and, and where the, again the religious people of that time were like oh you're talking to her she's dirty you know mm-hmm. and he's like no and and he was the one that was against judgmental people which is so weird to me that so many Christians have become the judgmental know, people I'm like that's the, the opposite of what Jesus has taught what, are you, what is happening so I think I do really like a lot of his teaching and honestly even like all the words that were on the keys I don't know I don't know the scriptures of it, but like the fruits of the spirit, like I always used to draw like love, hope, you know, all the words that are on our keys are all the fruits of the spirit that he talks about that we are supposed to be meditating on. So all the things that he taught is what I've, I think is still so good. I just don't. I think that's beautiful. Yeah. You're just saying you don't like how it evolved now, but yeah. his actual teachings yeah. resonate and I, I, they should. Yeah. I say the same thing to everyone. I'm like, it's if they actually thought about who Jesus was, they would yeah. stop hating so many people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like, I don't understand exactly. where the, what's... Absolutely. Are you not reading what I'm reading? Okay. Right. Um, no, absolutely. Yeah. So on that note, if you could yeah. share with us, like... Yeah. So uh, what am I kind of mantras. Well, okay. One of my favorite mantras right now is I read a pay it forward story on our website. Cause that's the whole thing is when people give away their key, they write the story and then we can all read, uh, the stories of them being passed around. So there was this one woman who had cancer, a mother, and then she, she, she was the one that had cancer, but she gave her daughter a brave key and her daughter was struggling with the fact that her mother had cancer. So the mother said to the daughter, I will be brave and you will be brave and all will be well. And that is my favorite saying right now. And I, I've, I've sketched it multiple times and I think about it all the time. And I, I, and I love that because I think 
I feel like I have, I have always thought of myself as kind of a, a weak, too overly sensitive person that I can't handle hard things. Like if somebody dies or if somebody, like I can't handle it. I'm too sensitive. My heart feels too much. So I, this brave word, which is the name of my son, actually brave. I named him brave. Um, which I think is also just a cool name, but (laughs) (laughs) without the meaning of it, but but I think like that is such a word that I, that I want to embrace because it's like, Storms are going to come. Life is going to be hard. It's not going to be all rainbows and butterflies all the time, but I will be brave. Like, I'm going to get through this, and you will be brave. You're you're going to get through this. There's really no other option. No. Just crying and be miserable all the time, and all will be all will be well. It's going to turn out. It's going to be okay. Life will move on. New flowers are going to bloom. And so that's my favorite mantra prayer mixed with kind of more of a prayer, which is the serenity prayer, which is, God or higher power, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change and the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference because I want to change a lot of things that I can't change. So that I sometimes only pray the beginning of that prayer and that's enough for me. (laughs) Like in the shower or driving, like, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Grant me the serenity to accept things I can't change. That's my favorite part of the prayer. That's beautiful. Thank you so much. And thank you for being here and inspiring everyone and just being you. you. I want to move in here. You're welcome to. Let's go have a pajama party. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you.